Welcome back to the Rock and Ramble podcast. You are here with your hosts, Andrea and Victoria. And we have been MIA for like a month, maybe right around a month. Yeah, a little over. (laughs) A little over a month. You know, it's life. Life just happens and things get pushed to the side and pushed to the side. And poor Skid Row has been pushed to the side (laughs) so many times. Yeah. But we are here and we're ready to talk to you guys about Skid Row. Um, Skid Row has some of my favorite songs of the genre um, and some of the best vocals, I think, um, in, in this little area. And we'll get into that and some of the best hair. Mm, yes. Too. yes. <laughs> so we are not going to keep y'all waiting because y'all have waited long enough. So we're just going to dive right into it. Skid Row is a hard rock band from New Jersey. They formed in 1986 and their style has kind of ranged from like 80s hair metal to hard, almost like grunge metal in their later albums. We'll see that transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to start off with their uh, formation. And so they formed when uh, Dave Sabo and Rachel, Bo- Rachel Bolin got together. Uh, Rachel being a man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't realize there was a... A female in Skid Row. Yeah, I was but, like, honestly, yeah. I, I knew I was like pretty uneducated about Skid Row, honestly, overall. And so I was like, mm-hmm. wow, because everything I was reading for, I did the reading first before I watched anything. Everything I was reading uh-huh. was like, yeah, Dave and Rachel are the ones like holding it down and like, you know, collaborate a lot. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's so cool for like 80s, you know. And then right. um, the more I read and then I was like, oh, this is a guy. And <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to it. But like his name is a tribute to two different people um Mm -hmm. or yeah so that's where he landed on rachel but yeah a guy yeah a dude so well we can go ahead if you want to introduce rachel bolin and then we can talk about dave the snake sabo yeah so rachel bolin is the bassist of the group he was born with the name james richard southworth um and his stage name rachel is part richard and part his grandfather's name manuel so richard and manuel kind of morphed into Rachel. Um, and then Mark, and then Bolin is a tribute to the frontman of a band called T-Rex that he really looked up to, um, Mark Bolin. And he has now changed it legally to Rachel Bolin Southworth. So it's kind of a mix of his born, birth mm-hmm. name and stage name. Um, his biggest influences were the Ramones, ACDC, Sex Pistols, Elvis Costello. And he even, I thought this was really cool because Motley Crue was the one um, episode that I did, like, what, the fourth or fifth, I don't know, pretty early on in our season, yeah. first season, mm-hmm. and he sang first backup season. vocals on the Dr. Feelgood album. So I was like, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Rachel Bolin. I mean, that's a really cool name once you realize, like, who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, okay, I can get on board with that. And when I was talking to my mom about um, – doing the skid row uh, episode she was like oh yeah he's the one that inspired my costume for halloween that one year and i was like oh my gosh i totally remember we were going to a family halloween costume party and i had to have been like i don't know like nine years old or something and i think i was dressed as a clown (laughs) (laughs) um but my mom i remember she was like dressed kind of like punk style and she had like a goth kind of looking and Mm -hmm. she had I remember distinctly she had a nose ring that like Mm -hmm. had a chain to her ear Mm -hmm. and I was like oh that's interesting Mm -hmm. and then yeah I'd come to find out it was Rachel Bolin who inspired that because that's like his signature look Mm -hmm. um, is having that chain Mm -hmm. connected the nose ring to the ear so Mm -hmm. I was like that's pretty cool mom good job (laughs) This is not 100% related, but it made me think of um, when I first went to Warp Tour, the first year I ever went was with Jessica. And Mm -hmm. that was like our first little dive into that genre of shows. And so we were super out of place and we were like, we knew we would be, but we were like, okay, what can we do to like, you know, edge up our look? And at the time, I, I either did not have my ears pierced yet 
No, I don't. I don't think I did because I wasn't allowed you to ch- to yeah. pierce my ears till I was sixteen. So I think I was fifteen when this yeah. happened. So I was like, okay. So I went to like Claire's or whatever and got the little magnet earrings. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get some cool earrings. And we, <laughs> I don't remember if it was just me or me and Jessica, but we tried to do like a magnetic nose ring, and it hurt so bad. <laughs> and we we looked stupid anyway. Like we were not dressed to match that anyway. We just looked so dumb. But everybody was, mm-hmm. you know, middle of summer in Texas in like black long sleeves black pants and just like really done up and we were like ah in our little like capris and you know whatever we were wearing and wannabe little like like, polo shirt probably (laughs) i don't even remember but i think i had like zip off pants but like it was the capris that zipped off (laughs) at your calf i think i had these green ones and i feel like it might have been those but that's so funny craig has a pair of those but he wears them when zoo dust plays Like, that's part of his costume for oh, That's cool. Uh, okay, so, so... Yeah, so next is Dave Sable the Snake. Or the Snake mm-hmm. is what they call him. The um, Snake. Yeah. So he's the guitarist, and he has the same birthday as me, September 16th, but in 1964. Woo-hoo. So he's 24 years older than me. Um, he was ins- He's inspired by Kiss, Aerosmith, Judas Priest, Van Halen, Black Sabbath, Rolling Stones. So pretty, like, cool and, like, kind of standard for what mm-hmm. we're doing um, inspirations. He learned to play guitar yeah. on his older brother's on his older brother's guitar, and he was very athletic. He was professionally scouted as a high school baseball player, which I think is cool because I feel like um, the yeah. only other one I can think of was oh, I just lost it. Um, the the one who had like done ice skating in high school and had been really good. Who was uh, that? Yeah. Well, there was also uh, I can't remember the ice skater, but. Um... Oh, I know who you're, was it Motley Crue? Motley Crue, it, it was, yeah. I just, Vince yeah, Neil? I think it was. Okay. Um, but then also Clarence Clemens of the E Street Band. Yeah. He was um, a professional football player for a while. Or yeah. Or was going to be, yeah. So, so they're so. just to be cool in both worlds, like the band world and yeah. like, you know, sports, both sides of it. Because usually like you're only blessed with one talent. You're either like musically inclined or athletically inclined mm-hmm. or neither. <laughs> <laughs> in some yeah. people's cases it has I'm happened get a name name <laughs> but uh typically you'll see that so it's it's interesting to see both together yeah, yeah for sure yeah. um so after seeing a kiss concert that's when he decided to give up sports and pursue music mm-hmm. and he's actually this is going to be important um later on in the little formation of the band and all that um he's friends with was friends with john bon jovi's teenager and originally was even in bon jovi before richie sambora replaced him richie sambora is a huge part of bon jovi like still to this day yeah um and dave and john bon jovi uh, it's weird to Mm -hmm. just say john and everyone just knows yeah so they agreed jbj (laughs) agreed that whoever made it in the music business first would help the other one out so that mm-hmm. kind of comes into play later on. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, let's see. Okay, so next, probably most notably, like to everybody else, is Seb- Sebastian Bach. Um, he was the mm-hmm. lead vocalist from 87 to 96, not currently. Um, he was born right. in the Bahamas, but raised in Canada. And he was only 14 <laughs> when he started singing lead for a band called kid wicked which i feel really dumb because when i first read this i was i was reading it like wiki like kid weed and i was like oh no i felt so dumb because it's spelled like w-i-k-k-i-d and i first you know understood it as wiki like WikiLeaks or wiki whatever anyway yeah some of he had some major hair like i don't know if you saw pictures yes um i mean he was young 14 years old and then his hair was like two feet tall. Mm-hmm. Not his best hair moment. He, that came later at the age of like 19. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, like you said, was pretty young. And the members of that band, some of them were like twice his age. And so like 28, still kind of young, like compared to us right mm-hmm. now. But anyway. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Um, he replaced Skid Row singer Matt Fallon, and he was singing at the wedding of a rock photographer named Mark Weiss when John Bon Jovi's parents, who were also there at the wedding, um, suggested that he connect with John's friend Dave Sabo. Sabo. I don't remember mm-hmm. how they were saying it in the interviews. Do you remember? I think it's Sabo. Sabo. Okay. Um, but was... I think I said Sabo earlier. I don't know. Okay. Well, 
You get it, guys. Nah. S-A-B-O. Um, he's only 19 when he joined Skid Row, which is like kind of on par with a lot of the other brands we've talked about, like just right away getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was arrogant and annoying, but he had an amazing vocal range and had the right look, so they let him join the band, which I feel like also matches with several lead singers where they're like, Ugh, a lot of personality, but also like he's talented and yes yeah. <laughs> so right yeah like we can't pass up on this talent yeah before joining the band he made money singing beer commercials in canada and yeah you i think you put hand hands down he had the best <laughs> hair of the hair metal genre <laughs> i did i put that in i was like we have to bitch i know that's like a signature thing for sebastian bach but literally like watching every interview i was just like gushing over his hair <laughs> It's just not fair. Like, I yeah. I feel like, why didn't I get blessed with that hair? It's so beautiful <laughs> and luscious. And, you know, he's like, what, in his 50s now? And he still has a pretty good hair head of hair. Um, <laughs> a pretty good hair. Yeah. Impressive, you know, giving, like, if you look at, like, Brett Michaels. Or... Oh, I know. That's a, so. or, well, I don't want to keep going and just, like, rag on people. I know. But I was like, or this guy, but I, yeah, we don't have to. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, having, like, such beautiful hair and really taking care of it. And that's something that, like, people would, like, in, like, in the interviews, they would talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how does your hair stay so beautiful? And he'd be like, oh, it's natural. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I'm part of, this is. So you can take this out later if you want, but a part of like curly girl groups and um, uh-huh. about like maintaining your natural curls and stuff and like no heat. Uh-huh. And there's like some guys who post in it with like long curly hair and they're like, oh, I never used like product before, but this is it naturally. And it's like gorgeous, but it's because they haven't really done anything crazy. Yeah, they haven't like done anything. Trying straighteners or trying curling irons or perms or whatever. And it's like, oh. Right. Great, that looks that looks wonderful. Thanks for cool, putting that man, in here. Cool man, yeah. cool. Everyone else in here is really this struggling, is... and he's like, "Oh, I just wash it, and that's it." And this is the other ones have like beautiful. fifteen routine or fifteen steps in their routine and different kinds right. of products. And anyway, yeah, yeah. You and I are on like the, like opposite ends of the spectrum as far as hair goes. You have like this beautiful thick curly hair, and Frizzy. I have thin, fine, like staticky hair basically <laughs> Static. I've always thought like well my mom was in the 80s obviously and she had big curly hair and so her mm-hmm. hair fit right in and then growing up I was like you know growing up in like the 90s when everyone's yeah, going to stick straight. straight and I was like devastated every day like this is not doing what oh I want God. and everyone like oh it was so fresh yeah. and I had that like cheap little straightener like the Revlon <laughs> white straightener that yes. just like I oh, remember so Singed my hair every like, time and it still yeah. wouldn't be straight it would just be like <laughs> like a not curly mass of stuff and I was like this still looks terrible <laughs> oh my gosh fun times. I remember but I do remember like sometimes you would wear your hair naturally curly like there's some pictures that we have at Jessica's house where you had it curly and I remember telling you like you reminded me of Slash like the way that your <laughs> oh, hair was yeah. <laughs> Because there was, like, one picture where it was kind of, like, in your face. And I was Uh like, I am so jealous. Like, it looks so beautiful. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Yeah. I don't think it fit the times. But thanks. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, So besides that trauma. Okay. Scotty Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Hair trauma. (laughs) Scotty Hill. Um, another member of the band. He was the guitarist. He started playing guitar at 13, so another super mm-hmm. young one, influenced by the Beatles and Jeff Beck. And Of course. This was interesting. With the support of his parents, he left school at the age of 16 and pursued being a full-time musician. I feel like that mm-hmm. takes so much trust. I mean, I know you can leave school when you leave school, but um, with the support of his parents, I think is like a big deal to be like, you know what? I think you do have a shot and just letting him. And he had only been playing for three years. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's a lot of trust yeah yeah a lot of trust and also I mean that he'll pursue it but also like it must have been s- clear how important music was to him c- to just be able to like be like this is what I'm doing forever now <laughs> like, kind mm-hmm. of thing um yeah so in 1986 it, it did his friend and former bandmate Rachel Bolin called him about joining the band and he was playing with them the next week so like quick turnaround um mm-hmm. 
The next guy, the last guy that we're going to talk about for the band members is Rob Afuso. He was the drummer from 87 to 96, so the same um, length of time as Sebastian Bach. He's different than most rockers in that his high school days were in the marching band, not garage band. So still music, still, you know, have to understand all the same stuff, but definitely rocking out differently. He met one of his drumming idols early on in his career, and it was a glass shattering moment for him because the guy was a real asshole and did not care about meeting him at all. He, Rob said in this moment, he realized society puts too much emphasis on entertainers and not enough on educator, educators. Um, he went on to become an adjunct professor um, at Mount St. Mary College teaching music business. I feel like that matches, or well, it does, the like never meet your idols or you never meet your heroes because yes. then it like right. ruins them for you. That's kind of like what we're doing with this podcast is like never learn about the good music because then it kind of ruins it for yeah. you. <laughs> Turns out they're all dicks. Yeah. No, not all of them, but you know. <laughs> not all of them, but some, some of them. And then you're like, uh, yeah. well, yeah, there's some still shitty like this history music. on a lot of them. But yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1997, he founded Soul System Orchestras, a music and entertainment production company. They provide music and production services for corporations and high-profile clients such as Julia Roberts, Lenny Kravitz, mm-hmm. Vogue magazine, and many others. But those are like the high-profile ones. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that he he had made that statement, um, like, I think in like the 80s, early 90s about how uh, it was like in a magazine article that he was like there's too much emphasis on entertainers and not enough on educators and then he goes on to become a music professor and actually like doing that so he's not just like talking the talk he's walking Mm -hmm. the walk which I thought was really cool and he still has like um I looked him up online you can go and have like one-on-ones with him and stuff Mm -hmm. he offers classes um so I thought that was really cool as well so just like actually not just falling into the sex drugs and rock and roll lifestyle but actually like doing something on the outside as well Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's really cool yeah so uh just to get into a little bit about the formation of the band how they got together so I think I read, um, and you can correct me if you read something else, but Dave Sabo and Rachel Bolin. So Dave was working in like a record shop and Rachel came in and he had like this really cool look about him. He was looking for vinyl records and they just kind of struck up a conversation and realized that they were kind of into the same thing. So they started playing together and then they recruited, um, Scotty Hill and Rob Afuso into the band and it was kind of um it was either they had been friends with them before which I think Scotty Hill had like played in a band before with Rachel and then um kind of same with like Rob Afuso he had known the guys before or he was found in the newspaper that one was kind of um hmm. I'll look kinda, into it again because I, I, I thought it was in the newspaper but you're you might yeah. be right yeah yeah, I know Scotty Hill had been friends with Rachel, um, and he called him up, and that's how he got in the band. And then um, that Rob Afusa, he might have responded to a newspaper ad. But oh, okay. they did form um, in 1986 in Tom's River, New Jersey. Um, again, Matt Fallon was the singer at the time. And it was Bon Bon uh, Bon 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 It was John Bon Jovi's manager, Doc mcgee who helped them get a record deal but when they went to see them um he he was like look you guys are really good but that guy's not a star and you need to find a star and Mm -hmm. he was talking about matt fallon and that's when they replaced him with sebastian bach Mm -hmm. so uh sebastian bach and i remember watching an interview with sebastian where he was like um, you know, I'd, I've gotten like a bunch of tapes and stuff from American bands and I never wanted to be in an American band, in an American band. And then they sent me a tape and it had like Youth Gone Wild mm-hmm. and 18 in Life. And he was like, fuck, I really like this. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he joined the band. 
And that was something that um, I didn't realize either is that Sebastian Bach is, even though he's such an incredible singer, and I usually think that the singer, in order for it to come through, has to be a part of like the writing process to mm-hmm. like really... Yeah, you'd like, think that would make sense to be able to emote it correctly. Like Yes, right. exactly. Emote it. Um, thank you. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> but he he didn't have any kind of, um, it, like lyrically, he didn't have any contribution into those songs, like their biggest songs. I know that he changed up like the arrangement. He put it into higher um, octaves, you know, that they had to <laughs> match and like made the tempo a little bit faster and stuff. So he did contribute in that way, I guess, in the ar- arrangement of it. But lyrically, that was all done beforehand. But I guess he he also felt like he connected to the lyrics that had already been written. So mm-hmm. that probably helped as well. Yeah. So they get signed um, in 1988 with Atlantic Records. And then they... Um, was it... Do you want to do that, the part yeah. where they paid the 35 Okay, because I yeah. wasn't familiar with that. So if you remember in our Thin Lizzy episode, we referenced, I was talking about Skid Row real quick, and I was like, not mm-hmm. the Skid Row we're oh, thinking yeah. of. Um, you know, there's an Irish band named Skid Row. So they had to pay $35,000 to Gary Moore for the use of the band name, um, which we mentioned, like I said, in Thin Lizzy, um, because Phil Lynott and Gary Moore played in Skid Row, the Irish one, before moving on to Thin Lizzy. And there's like actually some disputing, disputed reports about like, oh, he never got the money. He did get the money and like to, to be able to use it because when you look it up on Spotify um, or like other things, Skid Row, the American band mostly comes up and there's some people that were in the Irish band that were like, you know, didn't get paid, and they were like, this was not done the right way, uh, and so there's, like, you know, some bad blood in that room. Drama, yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. But actually, uh, maybe we can talk about real quick, Skid Row yeah. is in reference to an area, well, it used to be many areas, but now it's most commonly mm-hmm. an area in Los Angeles, in East L.A., um, where, like, I think started in the 1800s, it was used as, like, an area for logging and um, a lot of like temporary workers. Vagrants. And, yeah. And so people would hang out there looking for jobs or things like mm-hmm. that because it was not continual work. And so um, it's kind of kept, um, a, what's the word, reputation as like it is where a lot of homeless people are sometimes. It used to be also like a tent city kind of place, like just a lot of like temporary housing or you a know, lot of shelters. drug use. Yeah. So and now it's more of the yeah. drug use. There's a like lot of this. negative connotations with it. Yeah. It's but they they actually were not referencing that oh. Skid Row when they made the when they came up with the name. Um, I think that kind of was part of it, but when they were coming up with the name, they were just kind of I think it was Rachel and Dave just kind of like shooting off like different um different ideas and one of them said I think it was Dave said what about skid marks and uh the other one Rachel is like skid row and then that's how they did it um I think so but it it does play into the type of music kind of that like metal grunge that they are are into I'm glad they didn't go skid marks it's disgusting Oh, I know. <laughs> well, I think they were talking about like the actual tire marks because they yeah, were driving the like, story. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they saw like um, on the road, the skin marks on the road. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, the <laughs> now that we both have boys, little boys, we're like, ew, skin marks gross. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, they open or their first tour was opening for um, Bon Jovi. And they toured their first album while they were opening for Bon Jovi, which is really cool that they ended up, since Dave and John were childhood friends, and then Mm -hmm. they ended up actually, like, following through and touring together, like, super cool. Um, They also opened for Aerosmith on Aerosmith's Pump Tour in 1989 and 1990. And this is where the quote-unquote bottle incident happened mm-hmm. and you could watch a video of this it's pretty bad um where a fan threw a bottle on stage like a glass bottle i think 
and it hit Sebastian Bach in the head. And he picked up the bottle. Obviously, he was, like, pretty mad. And this guy has a temper on him that's, like, like people, you make him mad and he just, like, reacts is how mm-hmm. his, his he came off. And so you're like, okay, what's he going to do? And you watch and he chunks the bottle. He doesn't just, like, toss it. He, like, chunks it, throws it hard back into the crowd. And then he... <laughs> After doing that, he, like, takes a running leap and, like, feet first dives into the crowd and, like, while he's kicking out. Did you watch that video? Yeah. It's pretty intense. It I don't is. know why I'm laughing. I'm just like, what the heck? And he ended up hitting a teenage girl and breaking her nose. She wasn't even the one that was, like, involved in the bottle thing, but he broke her nose. He was arrested. He was sued by her parents. And he had to end up paying them, like, all the money that he'd made on the tour so far, which was, like, upwards of, like, half a million dollars. And apparently that was only half of what was owed, and the rest of the band and the manager had to come up with the other half. So that was, like, a whole thing. And this is, like, kind of the beginning of where Sebastian Bach's antics were starting to get bigger than Skid Row's music. And they were getting known as, like, like this becoming notorious for being like like the ones that would act up on tour and stuff and like have issues and stuff and one of the examples of that is the shirt that uh, Sebastian Bach was photographed wearing and it said AIDS kills fags dead so awful Mm -hmm. shirt he said in his his story is that this shirt was thrown on stage and without looking at it, he just put it on, and then he was photographed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when you're, like, watching the video of his apology, he doesn't seem very genuine. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like, oh, like, they told me I had to apologize, and now I'm apologizing. Yeah. So, yeah. And the whole shirt is supposed to be, like, a play on the raid Mm-hmm. Like the raid ads, you know, like raid kills yeah. bugs dead or something. Yeah. So just really poor taste. Um, I don't know if he was telling the truth and he really didn't read the shirt. Because a lot of times he did perform shirtless. So it's not like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. unfathomable. But at the same time, like surely somebody would have said like, hey, man, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, didn't it reminds me of Axel Rose. I'm trying to remember. Didn't he have oh, a shirt yeah. that he wore? Besides the St. Louis one, I thought there was something. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but that's what it makes me think Probably. of. And then trying to, like, play it off, like, oh, didn't mean that. My bad. But it, like you said, like, doesn't seem very sincere. And it's like, at what point is the apology is just, like, pointless? Because it's like, they right. don't really care. It's like telling, like, you know, like a toddler, like, say sorry. And they're like, sorry. <laughs> like, that's yeah. kind of what it's like. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, you don't mean it. Don't okay. say it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's pretty ridiculous how insincere he was about it. And yeah. that's, I mean, I can only imagine that if he's like that in the interviews, like that off-putting in interviews, how he is in like, or how he was to actually like tour with. And mm-hmm. you could see like why the guys, the other guys in the band were getting so like fed up with it and they're like okay at some point we're gonna be done yeah um yeah and I remember like the very first show that they played with him or something like the very first time they went out it was like very very early on in their relationship together um somebody called Sebastian Bach because they were I think it was Rachel Bolin was um being interviewed and they called him Baz which I actually thought was really cute (laughs) that the guys they called him Baz um but they said that somebody they were like leaving a club and somebody called Baz a fag and he just started throwing punches so we started throwing punches and it's like that's how they kind of built a camaraderie together it's Mm -hmm. like they got into a fight together like very early on (laughs) but then you look back at it and you're like that was just like a red flag as far as like his temperament yeah um but yeah all that to say, he still had an amazing voice and beautiful hair. <laughs> You're funny. His saving grace. Yeah. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. 
So we'll dive into a couple of their songs, um, their song meanings and everything. So from their Skid Row self-titled debut album, which was released in 89, um, went five times platinum. There, mm-hmm. And you mentioned this earlier, their debut single was called Youth Gone Wild. And it's basically like Problem Child, which is like very rock and roll, punk rock. Um, and Sebastian Bach, like you said, had so much faith in the song, supposedly even mm-hmm. before it was even released. He was a big fan. Um, and then there's a quote of him saying, I believed in that song with all my heart before anybody else did that I know about. A lot of people think I got that tattoo after we sold a million copies of the record, but I got it when we were completely unknown, when nobody knew that song. So he has it tattooed on him. And so he was like, oh, I've always known, always known. And mm-hmm. so it made me think when you were mentioning earlier, and it kind of got me on this little train of thought of like, you know, he wasn't involved in the songwriting. So it's surprising that he can like sing it with so much emotion. And I wonder, um, people like that who maybe lead singers or whatever, who may not have been involved, but you can tell like their way they sing it does come off through with a lot of emotion. That could be just mm-hmm. like how, I mean, you and I, like we've said, are not talented in this way, but whether we've gone through that song or not, we are like <laughs> the empath in us is just like, ah, like, you know, just tortured as we're singing it or that's what yeah. it makes me think of is he just seems to have like really connected in that level of you know different songs and able to portray it that way but yeah that <laughs> reminds me of the meme that we shared uh oh, the cardi b like yes the cardi b <laughs> and it's like i'm over here like singing my heart out to these cardi b lyrics about like how i got wronged and how like, yeah my man's no good when i have a perfectly loving man who's like <laughs> You know, wonderful husband and father. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we're just singing it like. But just yeah. singing it like, he did me so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. That does sound like that. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Um, yeah. So the other song you did mention earlier was their second single, 18 in Life. And it's about mm-hmm. a kid who got drunk and killed someone on accident and then gets a life sentence. And supposedly mm-hmm. it's based on a true story. Um, Dave and Rachel wrote it together after Dave read an article that a newspaper in a newspaper that an 18 year old shot his best friend by accident thinking the gun wasn't loaded and that's referenced in the lyric um and that child blew a child away and yeah i just thought that was interesting and sad but mm-hmm. yeah that lyric that's like a really sad lyric i didn't realize that was what that were what the words were and i think i like, I've always been singing these songs because these yeah. the three songs, the Youth Gone Wild, 18 in Life, and I Remember You, those are the three songs that I was like, those are, I think, their biggest three songs, but those were the three that I would just like play over and over and over again when I first heard of Skid Row. Mm-hmm. And um, that that child blew a child away. That was like the, like, the apex, I guess, mm-hmm. like the child. Like, I'm not even going to try, but it was just so (laughs) intense and emotional and like the, the feeling in it. It's, it's really, I mean, he did a really good job, like you said, for not actually writing the lyrics to emote them, emote them the way that he does in, Mm -hmm. in the songs is really well done. Yeah. And very believable. Yeah. It's really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. Their third single, um, the one you also just talked about, was I Remember You. Mm-hmm. And they performed it at small clubs and bars um, beforehand. And it was a hit with women. But supposedly, they almost didn't include the song on the album because they didn't want to be considered like a chick band. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's funny terms. Um, Bach. Chick band. Yeah, Sebastian Bach. And the label disagreed, though, and thought there was a lot of potential with the song. And I think that's really interesting because it's like, okay, a lot of the rock bands we've talked about are men, but this is not music just for men. Like, I feel like that mm-hmm. might used to be maybe like the idea of like, you know, men are rock more into the hard rock, but like looking at the videos of tour and stuff, it's like there there really were so many women and to, to think like, oh, I don't want to be the chick band. Like, it just seems silly mm-hmm. to... I mean, I understand where they're, what they're trying to say, but it also just seems silly, like, in a way, because yeah, so many I agree girls <laughs> were into it. Um, yeah. And also... Yeah, this is the song... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, girls are clearly also, um, like, when you think of, like, some pop music, like the Beatles or something, like, there was plenty mm-hmm. of guys who liked them, but 
the mania was created a lot by the women. Yeah, right? the and females. They mm-hmm. recognized it, and I don't think there's anything they wrong with it. They wouldn't be with, who, right. Yeah. They wouldn't be who they were. They wouldn't be as big as they were without their fans, and yeah. a majority of their fans were women. Yeah, and so. then they're still, like, one of the most, like, notable bands ever. Yeah, to be considered a chick band shouldn't be a, a bad thing. Yeah. Um, shouldn't even be a thing. Yeah. Know. And this... But, go ahead. I was just going to say that um, I remember you... So when I was... Gosh, I was probably like middle school. I remember asking my mom... Like I really wanted to be listening to... Maybe it was like early high school... Um, but I really wanted to be listening to songs. I realized that I like songs where, like, the singer's voice has to, like, really strain and, like, mm-hmm. really, like, hit some some high notes. And so I was like, who who should I listen to? And she didn't even, like, there was no hesitation. She was like, you need to listen to Skid Row, Sebastian Bach. And she specifically, I remember you. And so I did, and it, like blew me away (laughs) his range and his just the notes everything was so pure and like honey oh my gosh it was so good listening to it for the first time I remember being like shit she hit the nail on the head with that one (laughs) like that's exactly what I wanted (laughs) and so yeah I started listening to Skid Row at that time but that's how I got into them was I remember asking my mom, like, I really like these types of songs, but I really want to listen to something where they're, like, really straining to, like, struggling to get that note out. And so that was her suggestion. And, yeah, totally nail on the head. So <laughs> thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks, Liz. Um, <laughs> and the last little bit about this song. So in 2003, after Sebastian Bach has left, um, Skid Row mm. released a second version called I Remember You Too with their new lead singer, Johnny Sollinger. Um, and yeah, it isn't quite the same, obviously. Mm-mm. It's not. There. No, we'll see that in a little bit. They've gone through a couple of different mm-hmm. singers. Um, didn't Johnny Sollinger pass away? I think. I think. It's been a while since we wrote these notes, honestly. So I Let me, I'll, I'll double check. You okay. go to the next part. I'm going to look um, it up because I think he passed away. Okay. So just real quick about the second album, Slave to the Grind. Um, Sebastian's father, David Bjork, painted the album cover, and JFK's in the crowd, so I'll include a picture in the show notes, mm-hmm. but um, I thought that was yeah. interesting and cool to be like, oh, my dad painted our album cover. Um, and the last song I'm going to talk about is called Wasted Time, and this is important because um, Sebastian Bach wrote the song about his friend Stephen Adler, who we've talked about in the Guns N' Roses yes. episode, um, the drummer who had addiction problems. Um addicted to heroin and this was their last song on the u.s billboard hot 100 so this you know was a pretty quick um i mean they're still around but this was Mm -hmm. their kind of glory days for sure um but yeah so the wasted time lyrics so it says like um let me see it says paranoid delusions they haunt you where's my friend i used to know he's all alone he's buried deep within a carcass searching for a soul can you feel me inside your heart as it's bleeding? Why can't you believe you can be loved? So it's like really a sad song and just like you can tell he's going through it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, he wrote it with Dave and Rachel also. But yeah, it's in reference to Stephen Adler, who we talked about quite a bit in that Guns N' Roses episode. So, yep. Yeah, and just to follow up, um, Johnny Solander, he did pass away in 2021. So just mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. That stinks. So, yeah. Uh, I think he was only like 55, it said. Which very, very young. Yeah. Um, All right. So, time for a deep cut. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Time for a deep yes. cut. Um, the one I chose was from their second, second album, also um, called Riot Act. I really liked that one because it felt really punk. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. <laughs> and uh, it was, it's pretty obviously like, rebellious through the lyrics and it's referencing mm-hmm. the right act and the one like also just from even like british history is just like against protesters like don't don't start anything don't cause a scene like you know um but i really like the feel of that song i feel like it has pretty clear punk roots in that one cool yeah yeah i will go back and listen to that one i remember thinking like i didn't care for their punk 
stuff as much as like their like their later albums I feel like got more punk and more grunge and like mm-hmm. hard metal and whereas their debut album is like way more like glam rock mm-hmm. and that's where I, <laughs> maybe that's because like how I got to know them mm-hmm. um so it's hard to see like that transition and yeah for me I I realized that their punk stuff their uh, more like heavy metal rock stuff doesn't showcase his vocal abilities as much as like the debut album. Like I feel like he's a lot more um, maybe like spoken word almost in the later albums mm. um, where it's just a lot of like talk. There's not a lot of like mm-hmm. the that really high. Yeah. yeah. Which is what I fell in love with when, when mm-hmm. listening to Skid Row. So I think that's why I'm more inclined to, um, to love their their first album, and that's where my deep cup comes in. It's the last song on their de- debut album, and it was a uh, kind of a split song. So it's midnight slash tornado, and this one, for some reason, when you listen to it, it's so good. But when you listen to it, the chorus kind of reminds me of Rocket by Def Leppard. The Rocket. Mm. Yeah. I have to listen yeah. to this midnight one again. I don't remember yeah. the connection, but I. Hmm. Okay. So cool. I I don't know. It could be just me being weird, but that's what it reminded me of. And I've, obviously, I'm a big Def Leppard fan as well. So I was cool yeah. with that. Um, and, then, <laughs> and this is so nerdy, but the guitar solo in this song is so good. And it reminds me of playing this game. I don't know if you ever played with me. This was like... I don't know, like middle school, um, I got into this PlayStation (laughs) game called Dynasty Warriors. Totally legit game. And it, like, when you're fighting, and especially when you're, like, fighting a boss, they go into, like, these really hard, like, guitar solos, and it's like, (laughs) you're, like, fighting for your life. And (laughs) it just, that's what it reminded me of. And I was like, dang, I want to play Dynasty Warriors again. They keep they've come out with like new ones and I remember um Craig had bought me uh like the latest Dynasty Warriors and I just have not had like oh. mm-hmm. a ton of time to actually like sit down and play the game but man that is one that I used to play I remember me and my cousin Marshall he's the one that introduced it to me we would stay up in the summertime cuz we were kids and we had nothing better to do so we would stay up till like six in the morning just playing that game and one of us would be like on the internet searching for like the because there was always like how to find the the like person's um ultimate weapon or whatever you had to like find Mm -hmm. all this stuff and so we would be like cheating and being like okay go here now go you got to defeat this guy and like I remember one of the generals or the captains is named Lubu and he's like the really hard one to beat and he always killed me and like anyway I could go on about Dynasty Warriors so good probably need to go play it um but I'll move on so um Okay, so now just some fun facts about Skid Row. Um, So even though John Bon Jovi helped Skid Row get their start, the two bands clashed and they ended up in somewhat of like a feud, um, which it started out as like pranking (laughs) and it was like really quickly escalated into an alleged fight. And the, the story goes that... Uh, I guess like they Skid Row was getting ready to go out onto the stage, right? Mm-hmm. And then the some of the guys from John Bon Jovi's band, Bon Jovi. I don't know if it was the guys or like the road crew or who it was, but they like poured milk on the Skid Row guys, which apparently was like a normal tour behavior, like funny thing. And so <laughs> the, uh, I'd the, be pissed. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It was like, especially as you're going on, it seems like a a weird thing to do, but that's apparently like what they did. And so um, allegedly, or apparently what happened was that Sebastian Bach had, uh, (laughs) I thought this was kind of funny. (laughs) Sebastian Bach had called John Bon Jovi, John Bon Blow Me. just so amateur and hilarious at the same time and I mean if you think about it this this guy's a kid um 
he's, you know, probably several years younger than John Bon Jovi and not taking things quite as seriously. He's the opening act for him. And so he calls him John Bon Blowby and that totally pissed off Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, the whole milk thing happened and they, I guess Sebastian Bach had said like, um, during the set, Sebastian was like, John Bon Jovi should come up here and get a piece of me. Because that's one of their songs, mm-hmm. Piece of Me. And they went into their that song. Well, after the set, John starts throwing punches at Sebastian <laughs> because he thought that Sebastian Bach had called him a pussy on stage. <laughs> like, uh, But he was actually saying, Piece of Me and... Dave Sabo was retelling the story that when I was reading it and he was like, yeah, it was so weird because we came off stage and he saw John walking toward him and he was like really walking determined. And he was like, oh man, you got us good. Like with the milk thing. And he's like, he walked right past me and just started throwing punches at Baz. And we're like, what is going on? (laughs) And he's like, usually I'm not on his side, but on this one, I'm taking Baz's side because he did nothing wrong. Yeah. So that was just silliness and also, like, I guess we're going to find out more about John Bon Jovi's temperament when we do (laughs) do the the episode on Bon Jovi, which is going to happen this season. I feel Um, like that's, like, a classic, like, ha-ha, like, mean to you, mean to me, mean to me, mean to you, and then, like, back and forth until someone is just, like, oh, is this real? And then just, like, takes it too far. Like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, like, oh, what'd you you say? Yeah. (laughs) What'd you call me? funny. But throwing milk yeah. on them, I'd be, I'd be mad. I mean, pranks, there's different kind of pranks. I know that. But I feel like milk, <laughs> getting milk thrown before you go. Also, what a, a waste show. of milk. Seriously. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't waste milk like that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> milk is too good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, something else that kind of uh, sparked a feud between the Bon Jovi oh, yeah. guys and the Skid Row is that Skid Row had signed with Underground Music Company, which was owned by John and Richie Sambora. And when they signed with Underground Music Company, they signed basically waiving their rights to the publishing royalties. And since their de- debut album went five times platinum, Basically, they made John and Richie just a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. And Skid Row was like super bitter about it. And it was rumored that Richie Sambora had eventually given his portion back to Skid Row. But in that interview with Dave Sabo, he was like, we never received any money back uh, from either of the guys. And I thought that was really interesting that John and Richie would do that to another band having... Mm-hmm probably been in a similar situation themselves i'm not sure what their situation mm-hmm. is but i know a lot of bands at that time that would happen to them yeah. um, but it's interesting them being in that position and then doing that to another band especially a childhood friend yeah richie San- or john and dave being like okay i realize that you probably don't realize what you're signing but here's the deal <laughs> like yeah that sucks i don't know it just seems like really shady yeah, so. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious about what we'll find out when we do the Bon Jovi episode. Right, I wonder if there's going to be like a lot of correlation. Because there's also, I mean, um, John Bon Jovi had like big impact on Skid Row, on Cinderella. Um, a couple of different bands were impacted by Bon Jovi. And so it's, it is going to be interesting doing their... I feel like that one's going to be kind of a, a long one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So something that I read that I thought was really cool was um, in that magazine article that I was reading about Rob Afuso, mm-hmm. the photos that were taken of Rob were taken by Mark Weiss. And Mark Weiss was the photographer that hired Sebastian Bach to sing at his wedding. And that's where John Bon Jovi's parents saw him play and they suggested him for Skid Row and... Mm-hmm. Voila. So I was like, what a little small world. Mm-hmm. Um, since Sebastian Bach has left the band, uh, again, that happened in 1996, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had four different lead singers, and their most current one is Eric Gronwall. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he just joined the band in March of 2022, so very new. He is a Swedish heavy metal singer born in 1987. And it's funny because he was born a year after the formation of Skid Row. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's not even as old as the band itself. He was the winner of the Swedish Idol reality show. And he auditioned for the show first in 2007, didn't make it, came back in 2009, and he did make it. And he auditioned with the song 18 in Life. And that's when he went on to win the competition. So I think that's where they had seen him, mm-hmm. um, seen him singing, and they were like, oh, we should have him. And so as far as Sebastian Bach, he has appeared on many VH1 and reality TV shows uh, since leaving Skid Row. And this was really interesting to me. Uh, in 2014, he competed on a show called Sing Your Face Off. And basically the premise of the show is like they they have a bunch of celebrities. So not necessarily singers, but just celebrities because like Lisa Reno was one of them. And you, yeah, uh, you spin a wheel and it like comes up with somebody. So like one of them was like Freddie Mercury. And so Sebastian Bach had to then dress like Freddie Mercury and sing a Queen song. And so they were, yeah, they were, and they would like put prosthetics on them and stuff. It was, yeah, it was pretty deep. And (laughs) they were judged on like how well they like uh impersonated that person i guess Mm. so he didn't win i think he might have been like one of the first ones kicked off actually so that was kind (laughs) of crazy but he was beat by china and mclean who is uma Mm and the descendants so (laughs) crazy sing the song the oh (laughs) like what's my name like what's my name yeah (laughs) yeah what's my name that's in the third one right uh, maybe. Or the second one. I, think my, I, I don't remember. One. I don't remember the order. We watched them yeah. just randomly. That's how we are, too. I was like, we watched the third one, and then the second one, and then the first one. So <laughs> I'm like, oh. Yeah. Um, okay, so as far as, like, where they are now, kind of gave you a little bit of update on that. But Skid Row is still touring. They're still writing new music. Their current members are Dave Sabo, Rachel Bolin, Scotty Hill is still in the band, Rob Hammersmith and singer Eric Gronwall. Um, I do know that I read that Rob Afuso basically said that he would not do a reunion with Skid Row unless Sebastian Bach was involved. Mm. And I don't know that that would ever Loyalty-wise, maybe. I, know, I think so, yeah. yeah. They're, um, I know yep. you're going to Las Vegas really soon. They're yes. going to start their residency there in March, I think. A little residency awesome. with the Scorp- with Scorpions, and then they're going to do a, um, a U.S. tour, I think, all the way through September next year. So. Oh, my gosh. I might have to go back and see Scorpions there. Yeah, so just to pivot for, like, a hot second, um, I am very excited to announce, announce, yeah. <laughs> announce that I will be going to Las Vegas in – less than a week it's actually like in a couple of days mm-hmm. um going to see uh, aerosmith <laughs> and zz top Woo! Uh, i know so i'm exciting. so excited i'm so excited um my i don't know how it happened i'm going with my mom and my dad and my sister so it's like we're taking a family trip <laughs> <laughs> the four of us so you know um, reverting back to like high school days mm-hmm. but we're gonna go see these bands because there was like a a time where my parents were going to take my sister and I to go see Aerosmith and this was like years and years ago we were on the younger side and they decided against it because they thought it was going to be like too like inappropriate I guess for us or something and so my mom was like I've always regretted not taking y'all because it was such a good show and so we were talking about it and my dad was like well hey they have a residency in vegas do y'all want to go see them and we're like uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it just kind of evolved from there and the next thing i know my dad's calling me and he's like hey uh the night we get there zz top is playing would you want to see them i was like yes yes (laughs) absolutely (laughs) a thousand times yes so cool i'm so so excited i will definitely take video and report back to you um 
and I've been, uh, you know, catching up on, well, spiffing up on my, um, because we already did ZZ Top, so I feel like I have a a good feel on them, but we haven't covered Aerosmith yet, and so Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, so I'm (laughs) trying to, like, to rapidly, like, learn about Aerosmith more, and, like, more into, like, the song meanings and all all that stuff, so there's Mm -hmm. a lot going on there. Um, One thing I am a little nervous about is uh, Steven Tyler for the past couple of nights has been sick Mm -hmm. and he's been canceling, uh, well, not him, but they've been canceling their, their shows. And so I'm like praying that he feels better (laughs) because like, you know, ultimately he is a person and we should wish for his well-being. and I understand, but it would really, really suck if that show gets canceled. So I'm really hoping that, that, you know, everybody is tip top shape and we get a good show. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. That would so, be really cool. Yeah. Um, so all that to say, if Scorpions do, maybe you and I can take a little Vegas trip sure. and go see the Scorpions yes. in Vegas. I won't that would take be much legit. convincing. <laughs> 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 uh, Pedro, yeah. I'm ready to travel okay. for anything. <laughs> Seriously. Well, to see a show for sure. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, I don't think we... Um, not definitely not with my dad and brother but well no in in college we did a like family trip to houston for the sole purpose of me and my mom wanted to go see beyonce so we went to go see oh, beyonce while my nice. dad and brother stayed yeah that was a really cool show i think it was like july oh, that's 4. cool and that's in her hometown too. yeah it was really really cool um it was either july 4th or right around there um but i remember mm-hmm just being like this is amazing because it's Beyonce Mm. and now I can be like I have seen Beyonce live and we did a girls trip to Nashville last year but that was with my sister oh yeah to see Harry Styles Harry Styles yeah yeah and I'll be going to New York again in May (gasps) to see Taylor Swift oh you got tickets yeah we managed it it's too convoluted to say right now but yeah there's Uh yeah I'll be going with my niece and take that ticket master yeah (laughs) that's awesome oh that's exciting for you yes well cool we'll have to talk about that I didn't know that yeah I'm really excited Uh, all right get back to (laughs) Skid Row (laughs) getting back to Skid Row okay so where are they now Sebastian Bach has appeared on Broadway and he has a recurring role on the Gilmore Girls um so if you watched that show I was never into the Gilmore Girls but I did know that he had a part on that and I always thought that was kind of weird I was like hmm I haven't. It's on my list. It doesn't to see. seem like the. I to see it. Yeah, the, it's one of those shows where like you've either seen all of it or like none of it. I feel like it's not like you just like oh I've seen Pop a couple in, episodes, yeah. right? Kind of like Friends in the Office and stuff. <laughs> um, so like I said before, he has competed in a few different singing competitions and reality shows, and he's kind of all over the place. He doesn't really stay in one place very long. Um, he kind of is like jumping from project to project. Um, I did note that his parents or his parents, his kids' names are Paris, London, and Sebastiana or Sebastiana. Yeah. Um, which I thought was funny. I was like, you have Paris, London, and then Sebastiana. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Um, in 2016, he published an autobiography called 18 in Life on Skid Row. And it actually has pretty good reviews. So I think I am going to read that and just kind of get an idea of like, who mm-hmm. he thinks he is and like his perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so That's maybe funny. that'll help me see him in a better light, I hope. Yeah. Because seeing the interviews and like reading about his antics and stuff, it's kind of like, uh, like you should have made better decisions, but mm-hmm. here we are. Um, I, again, I put in here, watching more recent interviews, he still seems pretty full of himself. So <laughs> I don't know if the book is going to be like, if I'm going to be able to like swallow the book or if I'm going to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. I can't really. It's if it's like self-fulfilling or whatever, you know. Um, what is that like? What's the word I'm looking for where it's like self? Um, like aggrandizing or something? Yeah, I guess so. I feel like... The, like the Elton John movie was oh. kind of that way, like mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm great. And like, mm-hmm. I only made good choices. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like the bad things that happened to me weren't my fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so maybe like that, but okay. 
Uh, Rob Afuso, like we said, he manages the Soul System brand full-time. He is still teaching part-time, and he created the Rob Afuso Masterclass Series where he offers private drumming lessons. So that's what I was talking about whenever mm-hmm. I said he does, like, the one-on-ones. And he is the only former member to still keep in touch with all of the guys, um, and he's friends with all of them. So even though they've lost touch with each other, he's, like, the glue, I guess, that would hold the band together. But yeah. he is the one that said that he would not do a reunion without Sebastian and being mm-hmm. involved so probably never going to happen um Scotty Hill again is still playing in Skid Row and he flies in for the shows um to go in um like I guess as needed <laughs> and he is writing and recording his own music which is self-described as ZZ Top meets the Eagles that's so a really cool description. I, yeah, I was like, I'm intrigued. So yeah. uh, I'll be watching for that if he ever puts out an album. Uh, Rachel Bolin is still rocking the nose ring chain. Super cool that he's still doing that. I love that for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love that for him. Yeah. Uh, he's working away at writing new material uh, for Skid Row. Same with Dave Sabo. He's still in Skid Row. They're we're still working together. They kind of talked about each other like kindred spirits. Like mm-hmm. they couldn't do it without the other one. Like they need each other. They they complete each other. Yeah. In the in the band scene, if you will. So yeah. that, it's pretty cool that their friendship has lasted and collaboration. I heard one of the songs from their like most recent album, Hell or High Water, and I mm-hmm. liked it. It was nice. definitely not the same as like their old stuff, but I, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. it's interesting. They're still under Skid Row, but I wouldn't consider it like the same yeah. band per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to our one hit wonder. So I did this one and I chose Too Shy by the English mm-hmm. new wave band Kaja Gugu. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the two shad shad hush hush. Don't know the actual lyrics, and <laughs> if it, <laughs> I have no idea. But um, it was released in January 1983. It was on their debut album, White Feathers, and it hit number five on the Billboard Hot 100. They did have success in other countries, but primarily. For all intents and purposes, they were a one-hit wonder in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, the song has been seen as being a little off-putting, and I never knew why, but it's because the lyrics could be seen as being like overly aggressive toward a, guy, a girl that's too shy, and he's like, move a little closer, baby, mm-hmm. you know, like, you're too shy to shy. And then, like, so I guess that could be a little... Mm-hmm. you know taken in that in that way um honestly I read the lyrics and there's like not many yeah it's, I was lyrics it, I was like, <laughs> so I it's know. it's a bit of a stretch but I guess I don't feel like this is as bad as some feel. of the songs that we've seen oh, or no. read about I'm like meh I mean yeah he clearly wants her to be closer but it doesn't seem like too pushy in my opinion I don't know maybe. right yeah, I was like, uh, well, I mean, there's not enough lyrics to really come to a cons- uh, conclusive they decision. They say hush, hush way too many times for me to be comfortable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're overuse of hush, hush. And... <laughs> Just really rubs me the wrong way, and I feel a little offended. <laughs> I am not too shy. I am just the right amount of shy. <laughs> uh, so Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran, uh, he actually produced the track along with Colin Thurston, who produced Duran Duran's first two albums. And interestingly, the lead singer, Chris Hamill, a.k.a. Lamal, he went on to pursue a solo career, and he ended up singing the theme song for The NeverEnding Story. Oh, my gosh. Um, That's so cool. I know. NeverEnding Story. Yeah. I know it's like a song on its own, but I will never not think of the newfound glory version. I, I oh really I love the new they had a whole album of just covers and they even did like Chicago and oh, I loved yeah. it I loved that album but yeah nice. anyway that's what I think of well I'm ruined because I always think of Stranger Things now oh yeah but, yeah for sure yeah Dusty so Dusty. yes yeah singing Dusty. that Dustin yeah <laughs> Dustin well she calls she calls him like oh, okay Dusty I was like why didn't I or something Dusty? <laughs> But also on that note, the never ending story. Okay, so hear me out. Adele's song, um, Take It Easy or Easy On Me. Mm-hmm. The E. Yeah. Like, oh. All I hear is new, uh, never ending story. 
Yeah. That's all I hear. Wow. When, right? I didn't make that connection, but yeah. yeah I have not listened to her As soon as I heard album. that. Yeah. Oh, I haven't either, but I heard that song and I was like, this is never any story, right? <laughs> so wow. then I went back and listened to that yeah. one. There's definitely similarities. So if, if you haven't, go back and listen to this. I follow right? this account on TikTok now. I don't post anything on TikTok, but I um, have the mm-hmm. account where I follow one. And I can't remember the name, but it's like, do you like this song? And it's like a current song. And it's like, that's because it, or not that's because, but it ties back to this song, whether it's samples or just like a, an oh. ode to, whether it's like, you yeah. know completely copied and it's like it might remind you of this song and I I like seeing those parallels I think that's really cool well that's something so we saw uh the big beat by Billy Squire remember talking about Mm -hmm. that one and Mm -hmm. like how it's like the most the like the number one most sampled song like ever and you're like oh my gosh it was used in this and this and this and this like Alicia Keys and uh I forget all the ones it was used in but it's just like oh well maybe that's why I'm like (laughs) I like it so much because it has like the same kind of feel. Yeah. So very clever on their part. Mm-hmm. All right. So that wraps up Skid Row. Uh, we appreciate you sticking by us through our little hiatus here. We promise we're going to get back on track yes. and get some more content pumped out. I know you guys are chomping at the bit, just waiting. <laughs> We've gotten so many emails and messages. Just, just when are y'all going to come back? Inundated. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, tone it down, guys. Tone it down. We'll, we're here. We hear you. We'll feed you baby birds. <laughs> That's what I thought of too. <laughs> We'll feed you baby birds, yeah. Okay, so... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. Uh. (laughs) If you missed our little inside jokes that nobody else might know... (laughs) Just kidding. Fear not. (laughs) We're back. We have returned. (laughs) Well, as always, um, rock out and ramble on. Bye. Bye.